Alrighty-o. I'm pretty sure we're live. Please comment down below if you are here. And we will get started. We'll just kind of let it tether through. All right, awesome. Okay, they're all coming on. Welcome to tonight's training. We've got our great psychologist, Jacob, uh, to talk tonight about the power of belief. And I think it's a great topic, uh, especially what's going on in the world right now. There's a lot of uncertainty and our belief, our values, you know, can, can be challenged right now during these uncertain times. So I thought it'd be a great time to um, bring on Jacob. And no doubt you're seeing a lot of this, Jacob, going on in your world as well with the uncertainty, uh, you know, with, with what's happening. So, look, thanks for coming on board. Yeah, Jacob. it's great to be here. Let's get straight into it. Beliefs, hey? So beliefs. how would you define belief? Uh, I mean, hey, that is a big question because I am very aware that there's probably all sorts of different definitions out there. But one of the ways that I've heard it defined um, and, and what has been most relevant to me personally is that beliefs are feelings of certainty articulated in language. And I think that's even something that you can unpack quite a bit, right? But obviously, you know, we have the makeup of ourselves, which we know that there are, you know, our mental part of self, but our emotional self as well. And so, you know, it's not to, to, to underestimate how closely those things are connected as we've talked about in recent weeks. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of the times our beliefs are that kind of running script and kind of what we make up to be our thoughts, right? Um, beliefs are very strongly ingrained thought processes um, and understandings of the way that the world works and our position in that world. And so it kind of makes sense that, you know, it's this mental strategy, if you will, but it's wrapped up in our language. That's, that's the way that we communicate. That's the way that we understand things. And so whatever your language is, um, that's kind of, again, what can filter what your belief system is or, or infiltrate your, your belief system. And so, again, I know that there's probably lots of different ways to define it. Um, but even there, you can start to unpack, you know, it's, it's feelings of certainty articulated in language. And even within that definition, though, you've got certain levels of, of thoughts, I suppose. You know, you've got the belief system that we are so familiar with that happen on the daily. You know, these are sometimes what we call our automatic thoughts and our everyday very accessible beliefs about the world um and then those often are very much determined by you know some general rules and assumptions that we have uh which really make up what our worldview is right as i mentioned before it's our understanding of the way that the world works so for example if i'm driving down the road i'm going to assume that you know um if i have a green light that everyone else is stopping at their red light you know it's an assumption that i make that doesn't always come true but it certainly helps me get through life quickly without having to think about it too much. But that is my belief, right? That my belief is, okay, green means go and everyone else is going to stop. Um, and that's just one example of what can be that middle layer of our belief system if we were to think about it in a, in a layer model. And then obviously come down to core beliefs, which I'm sure most of us have heard of, um, but very much coming to that idea that it's a very ingrained, um, secure set of beliefs that we have. And obviously, core beliefs can range from being helpful all the way to unhelpful um, and kind of how that very much impacts the way that we build our, our worldview and our rules and assumptions on how we live our life. And then that kind of has a flow and effect to our everyday beliefs, if that makes sense. So all of that to, to say, 
you know, we are so in tune often with how we're feeling and, and kind of what our emotions are because they're very fickle. And so they kind of fluctuate throughout the day and we, we are very aware of them, but not so aware all the time of the beliefs that are actually leading to those feelings because we know that it's thinking patterns that determine feeling patterns. Um, and so, again, it's the understanding that there are several different layers to, to beliefs, if we can say that. Yeah, I think uh, that's the thing with you mentioned a lot about language and, you know, what we obviously say is kind of, you know, what we truly deep down believe. And if we say to ourselves, you know, I'm not good enough or you consistently say things or why me or, you know, this always happens to me, it comes down from a deep core belief with what's going down kind of internally and we voice out externally through language. So I guess there's many ways that beliefs are formed, but on guess of, of your knowledge, Jacob, how are beliefs formed? Uh, I think if you can break it down, um, beliefs are formed through either experience or education. Um, and I think if you had to fine tune it even more than that, those two are kind of the same thing, right? Because we would hope that through all of our experience in life, we are learning something. And so even that in itself is education, but it's education and practice. So that's kind of how I tease those two apart where, you know, through education, we can learn certain things. And so if you go to, you know, university or, or just further studies or upskilling courses online, you're obviously inputting a whole bunch of new knowledge and new information that, you know, is said to change what you believe, right? Um, it's educating you around now what you know to be true or maybe not true. Um, but then again, even the experience, you know, we, we don't necessarily have to learn it from a book, but our experiences at times can also dictate what we now start to believe. And as you've just mentioned before, that what can be a pretty common belief, especially at a core belief level, is maybe I'm not good enough. And, and we don't just often hear that or, or we don't just often know that from, from a certain reading or whatever, but from our experience, right, that maybe from a very young age, um, that, that was the way that parents modelled our worth and our value or maybe that's because of a key experience that happened again maybe in an early lifetime um that just we received a message how true or untrue it was it was real for us in that moment that the message we took away was oh this means i'm not good enough or i'm always going to be a failure or whatever it be but it's that experience and, and often at key significant points in our life and our development um that then start to form our view of self and, and that's kind of where I believe beliefs are really formed through education and experience. And, you know, I talk a bit about early life, but only because those are the really formative years. That's not to say that beliefs can't change over time because they absolutely do. Um, and our experiences start to change what we believe as we also grow through life. And thank God for it, because I have to say, I've never really met anyone with a perfect upbringing. You know, I, I don't think because of the families that we've grown up in and, and people just being um naturally imperfect that you're ever going to have the the type of upbringing that that hits the nail on the head every time so i think in that we just have to through our growth and development and maturing into adulthood building resilience understanding you know just the different impacts of, of our early life experience it's not to then believe that we're defined by that but to actually understand that our beliefs are again these thought processes that take place in our minds which have a very large impact on the way that our brain is wired but what we know now through science and neuroplasticity is that the brain's always changing, which means that, you know, if we can change our beliefs, we change our brain and therefore we change our lifestyle and, and the life that we can live. Um, so it's always to say that, you know, no matter what your experience, your education has been up until this point, we can always hop back in the driver's seat and actually drive our own future and, and the life that we want to live. 
That's exactly right. It's like those, you know, we get so far into life, into, you know, our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and don't realize that our beliefs are actually dictating our behavior. And sometimes, like you said before, we have this automatic process. We think, okay, this is the way to do things. But we didn't realize, like you said before, there's helpful beliefs, and then there's beliefs that don't necessarily help us. And I guess it's bringing that awareness, which I know you'll talk about later, how do we actually change our beliefs to actually be more helpful. Um, But obviously, having that first thing of awareness and going back in the driver's seat, like you said there, um, to ultimately rewire our beliefs. So I want to, I guess, dive now even deeper into, you know, the reason we're talking about beliefs tonight and people might be here watching and go like, what's so important about beliefs? Like I just do things here and there. Uh, I want to find out from you, like what actually makes beliefs so powerful? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question because I think you're right. I think we can sometimes really underestimate the power of belief. Um, and, and when we, again, talking about beliefs, it's feelings of certainty, right? Articulated in language and kind of what we understand with that. Um, and to say it from a tagline perspective, I think the beliefs are so our beliefs are so powerful because it very much guides our perceptions and filters the information that we pay attention to. And, uh, and knowing that we'll be talking a bit about this, I've actually done a bit of a uh, preparation beforehand. And right now, I just want to do a bit of an exercise. And obviously, because of its because it's one-on-one right now, Aaron, you're going to be my uh, voluntary participant uh, slash voluntary. But I think for those of you who are watching, I really encourage you to actually play along with this, maybe even if you're in the chat and put your answer. But what I want to show Aaron here is an exercise that just shows us exactly what I mean when it comes to how powerful beliefs are. And I've got four cards here, and hopefully you can see them. I'm going to hold them up and see if I can do my best here. But hopefully you can see the cards there. And four different cards, right? Can you see that? Uh, you want me to say them? Yeah, go ahead. What can you see? Okay, B, 4, E, and 8. Correct. Okay, so we've got four cards. So the thing about these cards is that there is a number and a letter on either side. So obviously what you can see here is four, uh, B, 4, E, 8. So there's two letters, two numbers. And so on the other side of these cards, two letters, two numbers, okay? So this is what I want you to do, Aaron. I'm going to get you to pick a card to turn over, but I want you to turn one over to test the statement that anytime there is a B on one side, there is a four on the other side. All right? Anytime there's a B on one side, there's a four on another side. So if I was to get you to pick a card to turn over to test this statement, which one would you like to turn over? B. All right. So without doing any sleight of hand, hopefully you can see here. So this is the B card there yeah, that you pointed yeah. out. Yeah. So we turn it over. And what do we got there? It's a four. We got a four. Well done. Everyone give him a bit of a digital applause. (laughs) So right now we can start to see that there's maybe some truth to this statement that anytime there's a B on one side, there's a four on the other. Aaron, I'm going to get you to turn over a second card to continue testing this statement. Which one would you like to choose? Well, let's go with a four. All right. And you know what? About 80% of people probably agree with you. So again, if you're playing along here at home, chuck up your answer as to what you might have put. And lo and behold, we have a B. All right, another digital applause for Aaron. However, my question back to you, and it's not too uncommon because remember, this is about 80% of what people do. Does turning that over really tell us anything that we didn't already know? No. Probably not, right? Mm. And so it begs the question of, okay, Aaron, why choose not to turn over the eight? Because what we can see is if we turn over the eight, we have a B. Ah. Now, what that tells us right there 
is that that is the one card that we could have turned over even very first to test this statement that anytime there's a B on one side, there's a four on the other, and it would have blown it out of the water straight away, hmm. right? So we didn't have to go through even the turning of the cards to know whether this statement was true. But the reason why Aaron and probably a lot of you, if you're playing along, does so is because of something that we call the confirmation bias. Now, the confirmation bias is what is applying to, to most of us as humans, and it essentially says that we only pay attention to information that supports our beliefs. Now, that's really, really important if you catch what I'm saying here. Because remember, as I say, our beliefs very much guide our perceptions and what we pay attention to. And so you think about the implications of that. If you were someone who believed, for example, that I am a failure, or if you believe that I'm never good enough, you have to understand that the tendency that we are going to bring to life is only looking for information that supports that belief. And any information that would potentially contradict what we believe is usually something that we actually steer away from. And the reason for that is because it actually presents as sometimes what is an uncomfortable truth or even an unfamiliarity, because it actually requires us as humans to sometimes even give, give up our sense of security, right? Or give up our sense of humility to actually say, oh, no, you know what? I might be wrong here, but we don't like admitting that right? We as humans, we love to stay consistent and we love to stay in the line. So whatever our belief is, we generally have a very narrow focus in, oh, you know what? I've got to bring information in to support that belief and make me feel comfortable and to assure me that the world is right, even if it's a belief that actually makes us feel worse about ourselves. And so again, you just have to understand the power of our beliefs, tune us to what is actually you know, happening in front of us. So you, know, you think of it in the way of if we were to constantly say one thing about ourselves, or constantly believe one thing about ourselves. you could have an experience that would completely contradict that but we so often dismiss it we so often neglect it maybe it's someone giving you a compliment and you think oh you know what that person just says that to everyone it doesn't actually apply to me so it can't be true or oh you know what yeah they they didn't see what i did the other day and that, that that if they knew that then they wouldn't be saying that compliment but anything that actually kind of keeps our if we're talking about an unhelpful core belief keeps it intact but obviously the reverse is also true, right? And this is a principle that I believe was really articulated well, especially in some of my reading. Um, Aaron, I'm not sure. I think, you, I, think, I think you actually recommended this book to me and I'd be surprised if you haven't already recommended it to some of the ladies, but The Magic of Thinking Big. And I actually think it brings this point home really quite well. And there's a quote in the book, I'll probably misquote it, but they say it perfectly where they say, um, uh, oh gosh, I wish I could remember it. Aaron, you might. Um, you know, think, uh, think failure you will fail. Think success and you will succeed. Um, and it's essentially that idea of, okay, well, you are what you believe and you will achieve what you expect to. Um, and so again, I think that, that picture of, you know what? Yeah, whether you think it is or it isn't, you're right. And, and I think that's just, again, just a, a testament to, to how strong our beliefs are because of the way that it guides the way that we live life. And uh, I think that's oh, it's just like even with that with that test that you just did there, I had no idea what you're doing. So that wasn't planned, guys. Yeah, it wasn't actually, a uh, setup. By the way, <laughs> it wasn't a setup. I wasn't I sure actually, that would work. So thank God. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't always. <laughs> so it actually worked really good, and I learned uh, a lot from that. And just the this confirmation bias. And what you're exactly saying there is that if you constantly say, "I'm a failure. I'm not good enough." I'm not supposed to be successful. I'm not supposed to lose weight. You know, my life is always like that. Your brain looks for evidence to support that, what you're saying there. And it's actually when it, you know, 
it, when it feels uncomfortable uh, and when, when someone does give you that compliment, your brain goes, no, 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 that's not true. Look at all the things that prove that mm. you are a failure. Look at all the things to prove that you are not good enough. And even when you did that uh, analogy with myself, like belief equals certainty. And because you told me that, okay, behind the B is the four, that gave me certainty. Why would I risk all this other, you know, other numbers that I may or may not be there? I'm going to go for the most certain thing. And I think often, especially when we have these, these, these thought patterns or these beliefs, like I'm a failure, I'm not good enough, just for example, like it's just so comfortable. It doesn't feel good to, you know, say you're a failure. But on the other side of that is like, it's too scary. It's uncomfortable to think what's the opposite I'm a failure is that I am good enough. I, I am successful. And that's scary because when we don't have that belief pattern, it's the unknown. So we go back to this confirmation bias and go, look, I am a failure. I know it doesn't feel great, but at least it feels certain. At least it feels yeah, comfortable. That's right. So I guess the next question I want to ask you is, okay, we've identified beliefs that are, are helpful and then there's, uh, you know, there's beliefs that are not helpful. So how do we actually change these beliefs? Well, I think even to answer that question by coming back to a little bit of what you said before that, you know, uh, <laughs> It wasn't intentionally a stitch up to say, hey, you know what, every time there's a B, there's a four here. I mean, that's just the task, right? And I think it can sometimes highlight what is also a basic principle of the way that we think is that the more often we hear something, the more we believe it's true. And, and that's, again, just a bit of a, what we call the familiarity effect or the mere exposure effect. That, again, the more often we're exposed to something, the more we develop a likability to it, the more that we actually start to believe it's true. I mean, this is the whole sole purpose of marketing and advertising, Right. They will play you ads over and over and over and say the same thing. Or politicians say the same, same thing in an election process because, again, they know that even if you don't believe it at the very beginning, the more you hear it, the more you start to believe, hang on a minute, well, I'm constantly hearing this thing, so it must be true. Otherwise, it would have kind of died away ages ago. And why that's so important is in answer to your question there, how do we change these beliefs? Well, if you come back to how we define belief, it's feelings of, uncertainty, it's feelings of certainty articulated in language. So one of the first things that we've got to start addressing if we're talking about changing our beliefs, because that's a bit of an ambiguous idea, right? But let's use the gateway of language. Assess your self-talk. Because the more that you hear something, the more you believe it's true. So if all you're doing every day and all day is having that inner critic speak words over your life and speak things to yourself that I'm no good or I did failure or I, or I did really poorly there or I just always mess this up or I can't make decisions, I can't control myself, I'll never get on top of this diet. Like, again, don't use those as throwaway comments because they sow a seed and they create a story for yourself that you then start to live out and it's kind of like having this person come up behind you every single day, all day saying, you know, you'll never make it, you'll never reach your goals, who are you thinking that you can do this? And you might be able to shrug it off to begin with, but you imagine that person behind you whispering that into your ear every day, all day, you're going to start to believe it's true because you're going to start to bring into question, why am I continuing to hear this? And so for us, you know, this idea of changing beliefs can sometimes be a really ambiguous and airy-fairy thing. But one really simple practical tool that I would say is, hey, look at your self-talk. What are the words that you're actually confessing over yourself and speaking aloud? Because we know that they have an impact. Now, again, if our words are somewhat negative, critical, judgmental, then that's not to kind of beat ourselves up even further, but it is to understand perhaps the way that we're feeling, the way that we are, and living the life the way that we are is because we've been listening to this voice for far too long. And so right now, we just got to make that intentional choice to become aware, 
but then to actually put into effect this different language, this different confession over our life, if you will. So practically, I would even say, you know what? Stand in front of the mirror every single day and actually confess something over your life and speak it aloud that actually you believe helps take you closer towards your goals. Something that you actually believe aligns to who you are as a person with your intrinsic value and worth. And you know what? First day, you may not believe it. But again, when you stand in that mirror and you say, you know what? I'm a confident, able, good-looking person. Then you do that enough times, the more you say it, the more you're going to begin to believe it. Now, obviously, again, sometimes we have to work through that process of that feeling uncomfortable and just so unfamiliar, and I get it. But let's just potentially put into trial this principle of standing in the mirror, saying it to ourselves, maybe every day for a month, and just comparing the type of impact that it has on our life by the end of that month. Because again, the more we say something, the more we begin to believe it's true. So we, at this point in time, have to become our own cheerleader, if you will, to actually speak out aloud. And, and there's a real power in being able to speak it out because that's, again, something that's certain, right? We're not kind of leaving it air and fair and unclear in our mind and kind of somewhat of a wavering belief, but we actually speak it out because, again, we very rarely speak out what we don't know or believe. So that, that in itself is going to be incredibly powerful for us to assess our self-talk and, and to speak words of life, to speak words of positivity, speak words of encouragement. Um, and again, you may not necessarily believe it straight away, but hey, keep at it and we'll start to see that eventually build this system that we now call a belief. I think that's such a, a practical and really something that I've applied to my own life. And, you know, we hear this term of affirmations and, you know, like, you know, speak positive to yourself, speak positive to yourself. But we actually don't realize the actual power of that to actually shift your internal beliefs. And I know for a very long time when, you know, I was personal trainer when I first started, I'd wake up every morning and I'd say, look, I'm the best trainer at this particular gym. I'm the best trainer at this particular gym. I'm the best trainer at this particular gym every single morning. And sure enough, you know, statistically wise, I became the best trainer. And it took about a year for me to actually achieve that. And I think what actually happens is that, like you said, it's foreign to us. So therefore we try once, but there's a little, you know, someone on our shoulder, a little voice in their head that goes, yeah, you know, BS, that's not right. That's mm -hmm. not true. You know, show me, show me where that's true. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just that consistency. Like if we've had this language for five to 10 to 15, 20 years embedded from our childhood, it's not going to take overnight to shift that belief, but that consistency of language, oh. like looking yourself in the mirror. And it's not just about saying, Oh, like I'm good enough. It's actually mm -hmm. believing it, declaring it, looking yourself in the mirror and actually speaking of authority to yourself as if you were talking to, you know, your kids. Or is if you're talking to a friend or a family member, I guarantee you, if you wanted to encourage someone, you'd speak with authority, you'd speak with certainty because you know it's true. But when it comes to ourselves, we don't do that same thing because, you know, we've had this embedded language for, for, for years. So I think that's a great practical step for our mums to implement this week. You know, if you feel like, and just to watch yourself with this negative language. And I know there's a statistic, I, don't, I can't really just be, talking uh, be making it up but i know that negative self-talk you know compared to positive self-talk they say with athletes and this guy was a coach and you know negative self-talk and he said okay the one thing that i stopped my athletes doing was negative self-talk because yeah. uh, negative self-talk was more likely to happen let's just say 80 percent of the time because we actually okay don't drop the ball don't drop the ball don't drop the ball right. eventually i'll drop the ball right? Because yeah. that's all I'm thinking about is embedded into my belief. So whenever they had a negative thought, he just told them, don't voice it. Don't voice mm -hmm. it. Just keep mm -hmm. it within yourself. 
and the results were obviously amazing. And um, I know Miriama's just written here, um, Jacob on our chat. She said, you know, one thing I used to struggle with was compliments, nice ones. Listening to this has confirmed that it probably was my mindset. Mm. Um, and I think that's, that's a common thing. Like often mm. we can give compliments, but when someone gives us a compliment, it's very hard to do it because it's like, yeah. oh, no, no, but we always go, but I'm X, Y, and Z, not good at this. You know, oh, hey, you're really tall. No, but I'm not as tall as this guy. Right, we always kind of justify downplay that compliment it. rather than downplay it, rather than taking it on board and going, "Hey, like, yeah, I am, I am this, I am that." So, I think such a simple, practical step to shift our beliefs. And look, mums, if you've got any questions for Jacob while he's here, um, please shoot them tr- through. But he's pretty much answered. How do we overcome our beliefs? Is is change the language? Well, I mean, I'd love to go a step further if, you, if we've got time yep. and maybe there's no other questions um, because you also picked up on something there before where, you know, this voice in the back of your, your mind or on your shoulder, right, can, yep. can say, you know what, you're not that, prove it. Um, and if I can call to action here, I mean, I think, you know what, turn to the voice and say, okay, I will. Because coming back to what we said before with our beliefs, right, how they're formed is through education and experience. And so we can start to tell ourselves one thing that, you know what, I am worthy. You know what, I am good enough. You know what, I can do this. Um, And so, yeah, okay, say that, that's one thing. But that belief is only going to become maintained and reinforced with experience. So that now becomes the next step in our changing belief process, that we identify what belief we want to step into and what view of self we want to step into. But then we actually got to go ahead and we look for the experiences to give us the evidence to show that that is true. Right, because these core beliefs that perhaps you know I'm not good enough or I'm X Y Z, everything that we've said, generally comes with a level of real experience. And you know what? Sometimes if we have the idea or the belief that you know what, I'm completely alone, I have no friends, that may have come from an early life experience of that being very true. Right? You may have actually been a loner, and you may not have had any friends. So it's not going to be helpful to kind of just confess to ourselves right now these kind of truths that we don't believe if you will, right? These kind of false truths. Um, But that's where, as I say before, we actually come back down to, you know what? I am a person that can be funny. And now what that does is it actually opens up the door for us to go out and look for experiences. Remember again, the confirmation bias and how it acts as almost like a tunnel vision. And that's where we've got to change our language that now opens up the blinders, but it's in opening up the blinders that we have to be intentional to look for the experiences that reinforce that new belief. And we have to start to almost undo some of the old belief. And so that practical questioning of self of, you know what, what is some evidence in my life right now that perhaps says that my old core belief is not completely true all the time? Because again, we actually might be in a stage of life where, okay, yeah, maybe you don't have any friends, right? But again, are there moments where that's not completely true all the time? Or if you're beating yourself up that I'm not funny, okay, you know what, you may not have the best sense of humor, but... What are some examples of which when that hasn't been true all the time? And again, these are just the picking up of evidences for us to say, okay, you know what? It's not a black or white thing. And that's where it can be difficult for us to take on compliments because we've kind of used this filter process of, no, I'm not good enough to receive any good news. And it's a lot of the times because we, as with all of us, are more in tune with the bad parts of self, right? We all know that where the shortfalls are, you know, we talk about the warts and all, we, no one knows our warts better than us. And so I think that's where if we focus in on those in a very black and white legalistic way of thinking, it's hard to take on compliments because all we can think of is, no, no, it, it's all bad. 
but the ability to actually kind of take both of those, the good and the bad, and to actually say, okay, you know what? Yeah, there are examples of, yeah, where I need to grow and where I need to improve things, but there are actually some awesome wins that I've had on the board that hopefully speak into this now newfound belief. So the whole second step is all about proving. Okay, yeah, this is true. I speak it out and I confess, but now we're going to look for experiences to validate that, to reinforce that. And again, it's about removing the blinders. And so it's about welcoming sometimes the unfamiliar information, letting that sit in the discomfort of being something that potentially challenges what you've known and believed for your entire life. And it just not only opens up, you know, the possibility to put into experience, but again, just the resources that you've become now available to. You know, another perhaps example to bring this point home is, again, this idea that language frames your reality and language accesses different parts of your brain. And so if you were to approach a task, don't ask or don't say to yourself, can I be better at it? Say, how can I be better at it? Because if you ask yourself, can I be better at it? It's a shutting down yes, no. And if we've had a tendency to always be hypercritical and have very high perfectionist standards of self, we're going to maybe tend towards the no. And it's going to shut down any sense of curiosity that we have to explore how we can be better. But the how question opens it up, right? It actually allows us to come into a position and a posture of welcoming, hey, there are answers out here. I just got to remove the blinders of thinking that I can't. So rather than saying, can I do it? Say, how can I do it? And now our mind goes to work. Our mind goes into all sorts of creativity to find the answer because that's what we're hungry for. And, and that you kind of answered my question that I was going to ask next, which is, you know, what happens if I do start to change my language and, for example, say, you know, I want to be more confident and I try and put myself out there and, you know, someone laughs at me and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't necessarily, you know, get that confidence from, from someone else. And pretty much what you said there is, you know, looking for little evidences and it's not all black or white or nothing like, oh, okay, I put myself out there once, I wasn't confident, therefore I'm not confident. It's like, okay, you try again. And what are the little pieces that you, you know, maybe you put yourself out there. That was a step of confidence and just looking for that little bit of evidence, which is, um, I think, really powerful. And it's just the little things that you've mentioned there, Jake, which I think are really powerful. And I hope you know, everyone that's watching tonight is, it's not big things. You know, people think, change my beliefs. Oh, I've got to get the, the shovel out. I've got to dig deep. I've got to go back to my parenthood. I've got to go back to 20 years ago. It starts with right now, today, tomorrow, every single day, Watch how many times that you speak negatively about yourself and catch yourself out. And I know this is a bit more of an extreme thing, but I know people that have put bands on their arms, you know, and every time um, they they had a negative self-talk, they whack themselves, right? Now, that's a bit of an extreme level um, of, of reminding themselves of, you know, stop being negative, but it's just an example. For you, it might be something different, but if you want to ultimately change your beliefs, it starts with changing your language, and um, I think it's been a really powerful lesson. Um, and if we go back, beliefs are feelings of certainty articulated in language. There are beliefs that we are that are helpful to us, and there are beliefs that are not helpful to us. And sometimes it has come from our upbringing, and it's just bringing that awareness to it and going, okay, that was from my experience, my education, uh, and then we have this confirmation bias, okay. Why am I calling myself I'm a failure, I'm not good enough or whatever your story is to yourself that might be holding you back or a self-limiting belief. And then we talked about, okay, the practical steps is we need to assess our self-talk, okay? We need to do repetition with our language, what we say every single day. And then we need to look for experiences to validate, but not a black or white thinking, just small little experiences that provide to us, yes, 
I do have that confidence. Yes, I am good enough. And it's just little things. And asking yourself that powerful question each day, how can I be better at it? How can I be better at it? Not can I be better at it? Moving away from yes, no, and moving for a more solution-orientated question to find those answers. So, um, Jacob, look, we had a lot of people on tonight. Um, a lot of people have loved it. Um, and a lot of people say, thank you, Jacob. Um, Miriama said we got 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. 80% of that is negative self-talk. Um, Lynn's wrote, look, the great, I'm great at motivating other people, but for some reason, don't think the rule applies to me. That may be not worth the effort, you know, and um, I hope Lynn tonight that's helped you and we're giving you practical steps of how to actually not only be the motivator for your friends, your family out there, but for yourself and just following these steps this week and see if you notice a change. And I would love everyone to, to, to for the next month to, to actually look at yourself in the mirror, have a statement that's powerful for you and actually see what happens. What happens? What's the worst that can happen, right? The worst that can happen is that you stay in your beliefs, but there's a chance that your beliefs might shift. What happens then? And I think just having that curiosity uh, is really key in, you know, our ability to be, this is where we are now, this is where we want to be, and that's the gap. How do we bridge that gap? A little bit of curiosity, a little bit of work, and a little bit of awareness. So... Jacob, thank you very much. Again, very insightful. Thank you for the analogy. You tricked me, but I like it. Uh, it was very practical. Uh, and just, and, to, just to bring that point yeah. up, I mean, you probably won't even believe me that it's true now, but what I had on the card was that, uh, if I can even remember here, it was the, the, the E maybe, and then on the other side was the A, because a lot of other people choose the, the E, thinking, oh, well, you know, there'll, there'll be a letter on that, but... No, as I say, you and the rest of probably 80% of the group here. So <laughs> not, not tricking at all, mate. Just uh, I'm in the 80%. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jacob. And um, please comment below your revelations, your takeaways. What are you going to do this week? It's very easy, like I say, each week to come to these kind of trainings and go, yeah, I was so excited. That was great knowledge from Jacob. He was a great guy. And then go back and forget everything. So implement one thing this week and i'll be extremely happy and see the difference thank you jacob i appreciate it. thank you everyone for coming on board i appreciate it. we'll talk to you all really soon it's a pleasure see you all